Hallelujah. How many are thankful to be in the house of God today? Can we give the Lord a praise offering? So good to see everyone out this morning. We welcome you to Calvary Assembly of God and hope you've come with your praises on. Amen. Because we're going to get ready here shortly to get into worship and praise and and give uh, glory and honor where glory and honor is due, and that's to Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. I do have an announcement. We are going to be ending, of course, this is our final week coming up of our prayer and fasting. And how many believe that during this time of corporate prayer and fasting, God moves in, that, in our midst when he does that? You know, and how many have actually faced some challenges, okay? Uh, the enemy will always come against you, but when you do prayer and fasting, it's kind of like the dynamite, so to speak that you add to that prayer. We're going to see God do miraculous things. I believe that we're getting ready to see greater things than we've ever seen before. I believe the Bible says signs and wonders and miracles are going to follow those, and I'm going to expect. How many are expecting, after we do this prayer and fasting, God's going to do the miraculous, amen? We're going to see breakthroughs like we've never seen before, and God's going to move like he's never moved before. I'm believing that with all my heart, amen? So next uh, Saturday, uh, Sister Tina is going to have a sign-up sheet uh, that's going to be back there, uh, anywhere from, I think it's between 1 and 7, is that correct? And it's a corporate prayer, so you can come anytime, I guess, you need to come into the church, and on that last day, we're going to come together and pray. So if you can come to the church, uh, there's power when you're in one mind and one accord and you come together, Amen. But before we get ready to get into our praise and worship, I believe that i got some scripture here I just want to share with the church. It's in Psalms 113. He starts out just saying, praise the Lord. Can somebody just say, praise the Lord? He says, why do we praise him? Because we are the servants of the Most High God. Amen. We praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. When I thought about that, I thought about how, you know, the sun always rises up on the east and it goes down on the west. And that means from early morning until night, guess what we are supposed to be doing? Praising the Lord. Amen. So I hope you've come this morning. I hope you have the praises on this morning as a praise and worship team comes and leads us in praising God. Praise Him from your heart, church. He exalts. Listen, the Bible says He inhabits, He lives in the praises of His people, and He is to be exalted. So let's praise Him today, okay? Amen. Can you stand up and let's give the Lord a hand this morning. So good to be here, amen. Come on, give Him a good hand like you really mean it, that you're worshiping Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
something to praise the Lord about this morning? Has God been has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Through everything you've had to go through, hasn't God still been good to you this morning? Through all of your difficulty and through all of your trials and 
everything that you've had to face, has not God still been good to you? Amen. Let's sing that one more time, ladies. Amen. Church, let's get our hands together. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship you just for a couple more minutes. something to give God the glory and honor and praise for this morning. Can you say amen? amen. Don't forget our prayer this coming uh, Saturday. I believe it was from 1 to 7, Pastor. From 1 to 7, sign up for one of the hours. Uh, I will be here Saturday and make sure the door is unlocked for one of those hours. Sign up for one of those hours at 6 o'clock. We'll be, yes, from... Seven to eight. The corporate prayer. Yeah, the corporate prayer. I'm sorry. The corporate prayer is from seven to eight. So be here if uh, at least by seven o'clock. We're going to be uh, joining together in prayer. We're going to be having communion. Uh, we're going to have some worship music on. And church, I want to say that nothing comes unless you pray. Okay, nothing comes unless you pray. I was thinking the other day, you know what more than anything that I need in my life? I need a revival to pray. Okay, I need a revival to pray. If I'll have a revival to, to pray, we can talk about uh, having a revival, but revival doesn't come unless you what? Unless you pray, okay? Uh, your lost loved ones doesn't get saved unless you pray. God doesn't change a nation unless we pray. God doesn't change a city unless we pray. God doesn't financially bless you unless we pray. You don't get healed unless you what? Pray. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face in what? Come on. And we pray. I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to bless them. Amen. So what I need most of all in my life, I need a revival, a refreshing for me to pray. How many of you like me, sometimes you get down to pray, and I mean everything possible comes in your mind. And you have a hard time what? 
you have a hard time praying. So I need God to revive. We need God to revive our spirit and to get a hunger to pray, and God's going to change things in our own life. If you want something to change in your life, pray. Spend time praying, and God will open up the windows of heaven, I believe, and pour out a blessing. Praise the Lord. Let me switch mics here, guys. the Lord. <clears throat> I want to talk just for a few minutes on it's time to turn around. Uh, just after we started this 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, I felt like the Lord had laid these passages of scripture upon my heart. And it'll be a two-part series uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. We're going to talk about a turn around. It's time to turn around. Uh, if you remember in Joshua chapter 1, and it goes through verse about 9, the children of Israel, say with me, the children of Israel, uh, are coming out of bondage, and they're headed towards the promised land. But they keep going around, say with me, the same old mountain over and over Again, And God told the children of Israel that the promised land belongs to what? To you. The promised land belongs to you. And verse 17 and verse 13 in Joshua chapter 1, it says, Remember the commandment that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. So we established the first thing, if you're taking notes this morning, that the promised land belonged to the children of Israel. God told the children of Israel, I'm giving you a land that flows with milk and honey. The promised land of Canaan, eventually called Israel, was a fertile ground. Uh, there were deep springs that gushed up out of the valleys, out of the hills. There were rich soil. It produced wheat and barley and fig trees and olives. It's where the Israelites lacked nothing. Say with me, lack nothing. Uh, Israel was a agriculture country. Israel is a major uh, exporter of fruit, and they're a world leader in uh, agriculture technology. So when God promised them the land, it was their life. It was their children's children's children's. Did you hear what the pastor said? It belonged to the children of Israel, but it was the chil their children's 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 land. Isaiah chapter 54, 13 says, Then all your sons and daughters will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their prosperity, so the land belonged to the generations to come. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 8 says, See, I have given you this land. Say with me, giving you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, Abraham, here's the generations, Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob and to their descendants, to their children's children's children. How many want your children blessed? How many want your grandchildren blessed? How many want their children and their grandchildren blessed? It was part of their heritage. It belonged to them. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 8 says, And the Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 17, 7, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring or to your seed, I will give you, let's say it together, I will give you this land. Over and over, the children of Israel heard these words. I'm giving you this land. Go possess the land. The land belongs to you. The land belonged to the children of Israel. Why did the land belong to the children of Israel? I answer that question by because they were God's chosen people. They were God's chosen people. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, For you, Israel, are a people holy unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of the people on the face of this earth to be his people, his, listen to this, his treasure possession. That's why Jeremiah 31.3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. When Israel was in slavery under Pharaoh, God revealed his love to them through the voice of Moses in Exodus chapter 3, 7. I have surely seen the oppressed of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. I have seen their tears. I have heard their cries. I've watched the brutality of the slavery that Pharaoh had them other, and I am about to change it for them. Why? Why? God's deepest desire for Israel was for them to live a victorious life. God's desire for them, he loved Israel. It was God's chosen people. He wanted them to go into the promised land. They were his people because he loved them. He desired for them to be delivered, to walk in abundance, to receive favor, to raise their children in a safe place, planting gardens, working, working in the marketplace. God wanted them selling and living a victorious life. That was the life that God desired for the children of Israel. And that's the heart for God's chosen people. So we've established that the land belonged to them. We've established why? Because God loved them. But the problem with the children of Israel was they kept walking around the same old mountain over and over again. Living the same old way over and over again. Walking the same old paths. Getting the same old results. Nothing was changing in their life. Cycle after cycle after cycle, continually walking the same old mountain. Life was the same old way. Nothing was changing. In fact, 
It was just getting worse. I was talking to one of my brothers this morning, and we was talking about a state in the United States, and it just fit with this message per- perfect. He said, it's like they keep doing in that state, they keep doing the same old thing over and over and over again, thinking they're going to get different results in that state. But they come back to the same old thing, and he said, finally, until almost the whole state sinks, doing the same old thing, walking around the same old mountain. We often find ourselves running in cycles around our mountains instead of, listen, instead of overcoming them. If you're taking notes, write that down. We often find ourselves running in circles around mountains instead of overcoming those mountains. God asked them, how long are you going to live like this? How long are you going to camp on this side of Jordan? How long are you going to keep walking around the same old mountain? How long have you decided that you're going to live in the wilderness this long? Because God's desire for them was for them to live victorious. So what does God do? He said the land belonged to them. He said they were his chosen people. So what does God tell them? God says, I want you blessed, but I see, I still see you walking in the same old paths. I see you walking in defeat all the time. I see you discouraged all the time. I see your finances messed up all the time. I see things are not working out for you. God said, that's not my desire. I give you the land. I love you with an everlasting love. Children of Israel, turn around. God tells Israel, it's time to turn around. I have much better living for you. Stop and take notice of where you're at, Israel. Look at what's happening in your life. There's a much better way. Stop and turn around. Quit wandering around in the wilderness. I want to bless you. It's like the Lord told me after, right at our, uh, a couple days after our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Kevin, I want to bless you. I want to bless the church. I want to bless the people. I want to heal the people. I want to save the people. I want to save the community. I want to keep marriages together. I want the blessings of God on your life. We just established that God's people, but God's people are walking around defeated. How many of you are tired of walking around defeated? Come on. How many, you know the devil plays a number on all of us, doesn't he? How many of you tired of walking around defeated in your life? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6, this is what the Lord tells them. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. God wants me to echo to you guys. We've stayed long enough where we're at. Turn around and take your journey and go to the hill country. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of it. Listen, it's yours. The Canaan land is yours. The promised land is yours. The Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all generations to give them 
to their offspring after them. The promised land is yours. The promised land belongs to my children's 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 children. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 3, he said, We turned and set out for the desert of the road to the Red Sea. Just as the Lord had directed me, we traveled around Mount Seir for many days. Then the Lord told me, You've walked around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. God is telling Israel, You're walking around in the wilderness and you are walking the wrong direction. And he said, now Israel, turn northward, turn completely around, and head in the direction that I'm trying to take you. Just wandering around. The Jews kept circling around the same old mountain, thinking they're going to get different results. promised land belonged to the children of Israel, but brothers and sisters, the promised land belongs to you and I. 2 Corinthians chapter 120 says, for all the promises of God in him are yes in him, amen, to the glory of God, listen to this, to the glory of God through us. So what does the promised land look like? You know, to Israel, it was a it was a piece of ground. To Israel, it was fertile ground because of agriculture, and they had to have nice fertile ground. They had to have water. Uh, they had to have a nice piece of land to be able to raise their children, and, and, and that was the promised land to Israel. But I wrote some things down this morning that I believe the promised land spiritually is to you and I, Okay? where our cities are being turned around, where our churches are filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, where revival is happening among God's people, where the book of Acts is being fulfilled in our life every day, a place of peace and rest in our life. How many of you want peace in your life? A place where God's richest blessings flows, listen to this, abundantly. Where healing and signs and wonderings are happening among us. Where salvation for the lost families happening. Where broken lives are being restored. Where long life is being carried out. Where businesses are prospering abundantly. We're walking in more than enough. God wants to work miracles here at this church. And that is part of the new covenant blessing that we have been promised. Things were happening in the book of Acts. People were being healed. People were being delivered. People were being set free. They were walking in victory despite the persecution. Things were happening in the early church. And that is the spiritual promised land to you and I. And how many of you want to walk in that? So God loved the children of Israel. With an everlasting love. But God loves you and I just as much as he loved Israel. God loved his chosen people. But God loves you and I with an everlasting love. Let's say that. How many of you could say this morning, 
that the devil just beats us up all the time, tries to beat us up and tell us that God doesn't really love us. Will we all say that? I believe. Let's say, let's say this. God loves me. God, lo- God loves me. God loves me just like I am. So if God loved the children of Israel, he loves what? He loves me. Jesus Christ gave his life for the New Testament church. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ gave his life for the New Testament church. Romans chapter 5, 8 put it like this. But God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, while we were still rascals, while we were still drinking, while we were still shooting up, while we were still doing all the things the world does, while we were still doing a lot of things we shouldn't have been doing, at the same time, God still loved us. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And we, we look at people and they say, well, they're doing that and they're, they're doing this. And, you know, God probably loves me a little bit more than he loves, loves them because I'm not doing those things anymore. But don't forget, God loves them just as much as he loves you. That's why Romans said, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, listen, Christ died for us. He died for the New Testament church. God cares for us. In John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished, say lavished, on us, that while we we are now called the children of God. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The church, that is just not life in heaven. He wants you and I to experience the promised land here. He don't want our lives all, all tore apart here. That's not his desire. I know we go through trials. I know we go through troubles. I know we go through tribulation. We all agree about that, right? Okay, that is all true. But at the same time, that is not God's will that we live like that every day. He wants us living in the promised land. But I am convinced, I am convinced that most Christians are not living in the promised land. I am convinced they're wandering around in the wilderness. I am convinced that we are we're stuck in the wilderness. I, I am convinced that a lot of us are living defeated lives. I'm, I'm convinced that we're struggling just to get through another day. But that's not God's will for our life. God gets no glory out of you walking around in defeat. God gets no glory when you're walking around in defeat. 
He has called us to be a victorious people. He called us to be the, he said, we are the victorious church. If you go to school, he wants you to be victorious in your studies. If you're a manager on your job, he wants you to be victorious. If you're a stay-at-home mom, he wants you to be victorious. If you're a manager, he wants you to be victorious. If you're a salesman, he wants you to be victorious. Whatever you're doing in your life, God wants you to live a life that is victorious. But I am convinced that a lot of times we just walk around defeated in our life. God did not leave us here to be a weak Fatigued out Christian. He didn't leave the earth over 2,000 years ago for you and I to be a weak and fatigued out Christian. A victorious Christian life is lived triumphant over everything in the world. Listen, we can have triumph over the lust of the flesh. We can have triumph over the lust of the eyes. We can have triumph over the pride of life. Christoria, victorious Christian living, conquering fear and knowing God's peace in our life. It is perseverance through trouble and hardship or persecution showing us to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. God's deep desire is to be for us victorious. You know what God is telling us to do through this 21 days of prayer and fasting? He's telling us the same thing he told Israel. Guys, turn around. Guys, I love you with an everlasting love. I promised you Victorious living. I've promised you good relationships. I've promised you good marriages. I've promised you good relationships with your children. I've promised you healing by his stripes were healed. I've promised you good marriages. I've promised you over and over again. And I feel like the Lord is asking us this morning, how many times do I have to tell you? How many of you have children? How many of you have grandchildren? How many times have you said this? How many times do I have to tell you? Okay, Joel, I've told you. Dad's told you, and mom's told you, and now the preacher's telling you, and grandma and granddaddy's telling you, Joel, how many times do we have to tell you? Give me a fist bump, right? Okay. God is telling Kevin, I feel like through this 21 days of prayer and fasting, how many times do I have to remind you? The promises that are right here. And how many times do I have to reveal to you that I love you with an everlasting love? 
Now, turn around and head towards the promised land. It's your choice, and it's my choice, and it was the choice of Israel if they turned around. Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we are transformed. How are we going to get turned around? So I've established that, I've established that God loved the children of Israel. We've established that the promised land belonged to them. We've established that, that he told them to turn around. We've established that God loves us. We've established that we have a promised land, right? We've established that God has told us to turn around. This morning, I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger because you're going to have to come back next Sunday. Because I am not telling you this morning how you can turn around. Next Sunday, I'm going to tell you how you're going to turn around. And I'm going to tell you why you're living in the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you why I've lived in the wilderness for so long. And I'm going to tell you how you got there. And then I'm going to tell you how you're going to turn around and get out of there. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to turn around and how you're going to get out of there and how you're going to walk in the promises of God. So I'm going to tell you what got you there. And then I'm going to tell you how you're going to get out of there and walk towards the promises of God. So I'm going to give you a hint. Okay? And this is Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. It says, For as he thinketh in his heart, as he thinketh in his mind, so is he. It does matter how we think. The renewing of the mind will never work if someone believes this excuse. The reason why my mind is so negative is because my life is so hard. Have you ever thought maybe the reason your life is so hard is because your mind is so negative? You cannot have miracles in your life on a regular basis if you have a messed up mind. So I'm going to leave you hanging this morning. I encourage you to be back next week because I'm going to tell you how you got there. I'm going to tell you how you can get out of there. I'm going to tell you how you got there. It's pretty country, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you how, you're going, how you can get out of there. And you can walk in the victory that God has for all of us. I believe we're coming up on one of the greatest moves of God that we've ever seen. I heard a panel of ministers yesterday. One was a Pentecostal Church of God minister. One was a one was a an Assembly of God uh, evangelist. And I'm not for sure where the other pastor, uh, what church he pastored. But they made this statement. If God can turn America around, he can turn the world around. And why can he turn around the world if he, can, if he turns America around?
because of all the connections of the people and, and, and different, uh, 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 different groups of people that live in the United States of America. You've got people from Korea, from Russia, from almost every country in the world lives where? They live in America. And he said, when God brings a revival to America, he's going to bring a revival to the world. Did you hear this, Pastor? If we've got people from Korea and, and Russia, and we could go on and on and on and on and on that live in the United States of America. He said, if God brings a revival to this nation, then God can bring a revival to the world. We might not know this, but Korea is having a great move of God. One of the, one of the largest churches in the world is in Seoul, Korea. Right, Pastor? I believe it's in Seoul, Korea. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But you know how it got the largest church? They've got something called the prayer mountain. And they pray 24 hours a day. People go to that prayer mountain and it's constant prayer. And then they started going and making another prayer mountain in Korea. And they just kept praying and praying. And they went to another mountain and made that mountain where the move of God has touched Korea. Empower the powerful move of God has come to that country, and they were saying in this in this uh, uh, in this interview they were saying now some of the Korean people are coming to the United States, and they're making prayer mountains because they said that the evangelists and the missionaries that come from America first came to Korea. Now we're coming back to America to pray for America. I come to tell you, I know what I want in my life most of all. I want a revival to know how to pray greater. Does us pastors want to preach greater? I'm sure we do. But you know what we need most, Pastor John? We need to pray more. We need to get the spirit of prayer on us. And when we get the spirit of prayer on us, God will help us in the pulpit, ministers. When we get the spirit of prayer on us, worshipers, God will help us how to worship. When we get the spirit of prayer upon us, God will move our kids. Did you hear me? When we get the spirit of prayer upon us, God will go visit that teenager. God will go visit those children. Got to go visit those teenagers and those kids and their children. God, what I want through this 21 days of prayer, I want you to put the spirit of prayer on me. When you do, the devil knows that I'm going to do what? I'm going to turn around. Lord, if you put the spirit of prayer on me, I'm going to turn around. You're going to bless my wife. You're going to bless my daughter. You're going to bless my brother. You're going to heal my mother. You're going to touch Tammy. You're going to touch her kids. You're going to touch Steve and Cindy. You're going to touch Pastor John and Amanda. You're going to touch Tina. You're going to touch, and I just name all of you. God, God, you're going to touch them when you put the spirit of prayer on us. Because it all flows through prayer. God, bring a revival. And then when we get the spirit of prayer, Jim, we'll turn around. 
and we'll head towards the promised land, and God will bless us. I believe that as we've heard it over and over, the best is yet to come. Pastor John, the best is yet to come. Best is yet to come. Church God, there's healing in his wings. People that you've been praying for and praying for to be healed, one service. I heard uh, James River Church uh, out at our home office. Help me, Pastor Steve. Uh, the state of, <laughs> Lord, I can't think now. Out of our home office. It's a church not too far from the Assemblies of God home office, and the church is called James River. And I heard the pastor say the other day that they've been just praying and seeking God. And uh, it was this child that had, I don't know what was wrong with the, the child. And they're driving up on the parking lot of the church that Sunday morning. God heals that kid. God heals that child. They, they, they decided that morning, okay, for all my Facebook friends, okay, okay. Thank God you're watching, but, but and maybe you're not able to come. But you, you know what? They made an effort. They made an effort to get out of bed that morning and said, I'm coming to the temple. I'm coming to the house of God. They had no idea that when they rode up on the parking lot that God was going to hear their child. And I believe the day's coming where it's going to happen here. To where mom and dad not getting along too good that morning. Their marriage is not going too good. And what is it if they ride up on the parking lot and God immediately heals that marriage? I believe the best is yet to come. Quit looking, quit looking out of your natural eyes. When I look at my natural eyes, this church is not full. When I look at my natural eyes, I see people that I want to see healed that is not healed. When I look at my natural eyes, I see all kinds of things. But when I get to the place where God gives me a revival to pray, I'm going to be seeing in the Spirit. I'm going to be seeing God doing great things in the Spirit. And God manifests it in the Spirit before it ever happens in the natural. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, you, you, told your, you told your people that, number one, this promised land belonged to them. And number two, Lord, you said, I love my people with an everlasting, lavish love. And number three, I'm telling them, Turn around and quit wandering around the same old mountain. Quit wandering around in the wilderness of all the things that's going on in their life and head towards the promises of God. The Bible says there's yes and amen. They belong to me. The devil, I want you to know that my family is going to be saved. My children are going to be raised up to breed great young adults. My children are going to be raised up to serve God. 
There's going to be great marriages. God, you're going to do great things. God, our children in school are going to prosper. They're going to be prosperous. God, our children in school are going to be top of their class because the Spirit of God walks with them. The college students are going to succeed, God. Our college kids are going to succeed. God, the, the, the young ones getting a job, God, you're going to prosper them. They're going to live for you. They're going to do exploits for you. They're going to work in the church and show the devil that they're going to win their generation for God. You're going to bless them financially. God, you're going to bless our children's children, God. You're going to bless us. And God, in this church, you're going to bring a revival. Bring a revival where people are healed, delivered, set free. God, we're going to mark out our community. And God, the drug addicts, the young kids that are on drugs are coming off of drugs. I know in the natural with our eyes, we can't see that right now. But God, we're believing by faith that you're going to touch them. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. Let's just raise our hands right now and let him know that we're going to turn around and we're headed towards the promises of God. Every song we could ever sing. Hallelujah. Father, before we leave, we thank you this morning, God. Lord, we thank you this morning. Oh, hallelujah. God, you're, you're, you're touching people's hearts this morning. Man, if y'all could raise it up a little bit. Father, thank you this morning. Jesus, the name above every other name. God, we're going to walk right into your promises. Jesus, Amen, church. because of this, this, and that. Or, can, or it doesn't belong with you because you're not good enough. You know what? Let me just clear that up real quick and we're going to leave. You've heard me say this over and over again. We all have sinned. It comes short of the glory of God. And you know what the blood did? It covered us 
covered us all. So under the banner of the cross, I'm not worthy by myself, Sister Thelma, but because of the banner of the cross that I'm under, it gives me right through the new covenant that I am now worthy to receive those promises. Did, did you get that? I want you to make sure you leave with that, okay? I have said that I'm not worthy. Come on. I'm not, I'm not worthy within myself, right? I, I'm not worthy within myself. I can't be good enough. But through the new covenant under the banner of the cross, I'm now worthy that those promises belong to me. Amen. They're mine. Say they're mine. Say they're mine. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. I feel like, God, that you spoke to me. That you do want to bless us in many different ways. But you want to bless us so much spiritually. You want to bring a revival in our spirit, a revival to prayer. And you want to touch us in every way in our life. Father, we thank you. Lord, we rededicate ourselves into turning around and walking in the promises of God. Can you say amen? amen? Remember next week, next week, uh, my sister's going to be here. She's been ordained. I mean, she's been uh, licensed by the Assemblies of God. So we're going to take a few minutes and pray over her. And through the district, I'll be giving a certificate to her. So be praying for her. And... Then next week, I'm going to tell you how you got in the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you how you can get out. Please don't miss next week. Amen. God bless you. Let me bless you. Let me bless you before you leave. Father, may the Lord's face shine upon them. May the Lord keep them. May the Lord keep them in health and happiness and prosperity. Bless their relationships and bless their life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Oh, don't forget, don't forget when you leave, make sure we fill that, uh, uh, those time slots of praying next.